Coming up on the next episode of Way Down in the Hole, we celebrate and analyze one of the most iconic characters in television history, Omar Little. Was his death befitting of his life? That's up next. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I heard. Oh, my bagged up. Shit, I thought y'all was going to tell me. I just got the word myself from Monk. Who got him? Some young boy. Who? Ain't heard a name, don't even know if there was a why. Yo, y'all put it in his ear. Marlo Stanfield is not a man for this town. You dig? Omar, that. He stopped reading the 24s. Killed yesterday at a grocery. Welcome back, everybody, to Way Down in the Hole. We are now on episode eight called Clarifications. Oh, man. It's so hard to get through this episode. So, so hard. (laughs) I do love the opening quote and clarifications by uh, the homeless vet uh, that Scott talked to for a story. We'll find out what happens with him. A lie ain't a side of the story. It's just a lie. Right. I, I have some grand takeaways from this episode. However... It's almost hard to discuss them because this is the big... What happened in this episode is the biggest death in the whole show. Biggest death in the whole show. Interesting, I think okay. So. Yeah, I mean, we could debate that, whether or not it is or it isn't, but I, I think this is the most significant death. I didn't say it was the one that um, made you the most sad. I didn't say that it was, you know, the most gut-riching or anything, but this, in terms of the characters and the mainstays on the wire, by far biggest death in the whole series. Am I wrong about this, Van, or or you disagree? I don't think I disagree. I think, though, that it's up for conversation Mm. whether or not it's Omar or Stringer. Really? And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because Stringer's death really made a lot of people wonder how the show was going to go on. Stringer was such a pivotal part of the show. He was such a big deal in the show. They wondered how the show was going to go on without Stringer Bell. It was all, like I said, it was like the red wedding of The Wire. Like I, when I watched Game of Thrones and the red wedding came, I was like, yo, this got to be a dream sequence. I mean, I had never read the books. So I'm like, this has got to be a dream sequence. But, you know, I should have known that after Ned's demise and after all of that stuff like that, that nobody was safe in Game of Thrones. But still, I thought that I didn't think that they would go out that way. Stringer's death had a lot more, should I say, monumental developments that led up to it. You know what I mean? A, a, a lot more of that. But it, it uh, and so it was, there was a much more of a breath out or it wasn't any less shocking, but it was much more of a damn when he died. The way Omar died, and they do such a good job of this, in, in, you know, throughout the episode, the way Omar died ends up becoming a lesson in and of itself. So I would say for a reason, it is the signature death of The Wire, Omar's death. And I'll tell you why later. Yeah. Okay. So signature, that's a that's the, a it, it, interesting yeah. choice of words. Right. It's the signature yeah. death. And I'll just go right. ahead and tell you why now. So No, no, don't tell me yet. Okay, okay, okay. No, don't wait, the, wait. Let's the, save all of it's, this. It's the signature death of the show. <laughs> Biggest okay, death. Signature. You know, it, it's it's right there. I can't say that it's not, but it's the signature death. Yeah, um, I'll definitely chew on that because I think you're I, I think you're right in many respects. But you know, this is the only scene in the wire I've ever watched that I have to turn away from because of, of of what it is. I mean, I know how it happens and everything like that, but we'll dive more into that 
uh, in a moment. Um, beyond that, it's, you know, this, 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 we're in episode eight. We're two from this entire series being over. And I think the other thing that was very obvious to me in this episode is this question of, is it all worth it? You know, being that there's a lot of characters in this season who do things outside of their character or so far outside of their character that they're, they all come to certain points where, or some of them do, where they're just like, man, is, it, is this really worth it? Is this worth what I'm doing? Like, or, or I think the soul searching that McNulty, McNulty goes through through most of this episode is, am I really as good of a guy as I think I am? You know, like in your mind, you always feel like if if you have a justification for doing something that you're doing it for the right reasons. But I think very much in this episode, McNulty starts to challenge himself a little bit and think, maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not what I think I am. And I'm allowing um, the same behavior that has self-destructed me in the past, like it's here now. And so how do I deal with this? So I thought it was an interesting episode in terms of self-realization. Hmm. No, I mean, no, I get it. That's that's definitely true. I think a lot of people who are in the episode are come are forced to come to terms with themselves. Yeah. Uh, and and so no, that's 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 definitely a big deal. And this is also the episode where the women find out. And I tell you, when women find out a secret, <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> that's the end of it. This is the episode where the women find out. The yeah. men been playing this game, but now the ladies find out, and they not gonna be compromised. So, uh, great episode. Yeah, no, it, it is. It is a difference because I mean, women are at least in television and probably in real life are always positioned to be kind of the conscience mm-hmm. of a situation. So, right. um, it definitely some interesting things happen when that happens. All right, with that, well, let's get on to the recap. We just talked about it. After weeks of trying to disrupt Marlo's world, Omar dies. Um, not from Chris, not from Snoop, not from Marlo, but from punk-ass Kennard of all people. And I just wonder all the time with this kid. It's like he got a lot of mouth for somebody who's three foot eight and like talks so big and disrespectful to some people. I'm just like, I don't understand. But in many ways, um, they not only, and, th- and this to me, the way Omar died, I think is probably the best thing about this entire series, entire season, sorry, not the series, uh, because of not only how it happened, but there was a statement in itself that was made by who did it. And so we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, McNulty is, there's an ever-widening list of people who now know that McNulty and this whole serial killer shit is fake and that this is really about Marlo. He recruits Carver, finally tells Kima, as Van said, the women finally know and Kima was the one he, they've been setting this up because he's felt really bad about the fact that they tried to pull Kima in to help with this fake serial killer when she's got a triple homicide that she really needs to solve. He's also, as I said, starting to question whether or not this is all worth it. He comes clean to Beatty, the other woman in his life, about what's really been going on. And is starting to realize that, uh, what is it, the, the old phrase in Batman, you live long enough. If you're the hero, you live long enough, you'll be the villain. Something nah, to that effect. Like it, it's uh, either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself That's become the villain. There you go. Uh, Bunk finally comes to McNulty for help in getting lab work expedited, and it pays off huge because he finally connects mm-hmm. Chris Partlow to the murder of Bug's dad. And Sidnor, um, speaking of big developments, he cracks the code, as in Marlowe's code, which has been stumping Lester for weeks. Uh, Carcetti continues to grease his path to governor, makes nice with PG County after snubbing them, and he's forced to get back in bed with Norice and Clay. <laughs> uh-huh. Gus calls out Scott, who is further exposed about his lying by the former vet he did the story on, and the vet uh, tells Gus that basically he embellished on a lot of those details, and Gus uh, has already in his mind confirmed in the last episode that Scott is a liar and embellisher. Or he, I think he initially it was about embellishing and changing some things. And now he just sees he's a flat out liar. And he goes to war with Scott over uh, another anonymous source that he uses. And it's clear that Gus is probably going to lose this fight as long as Scott remains the pet of the top two editors. Yep. Um, so that's kind of where we are as the detail closes in or is closing in a little bit more on Marlo. Now let's get into the only character deep dive that possibly made sense. And that is Omar, who meets 
Uh, his end, as I said, mo- one of the most important characters, if not the most important character in The Wire. Uh, Van, you said a moment ago that you thought this was a significant death. The floor is yours. Now explain why it's not the biggest death in The Wire. You used the, Why you use the term significant as opposed to something else. Okay, this is why. Omar Little had, was the only character in The Wire that was larger than life. The rest of the characters in The Wire are guys that have, uh, I guess, reputations. Omar is more than that. Omar was a specter, a ghost. He was huge. He was known. He was feared. He was like the biggest, cl- the biggest thing that The Wire had to a superhero. He did superhero-like things. He jumped yeah. off of a building uh, and <laughs> We and don't know what, how he did that, right? right. He, he he robbed a stash house with no uh, weapon in silk pajamas. You know, Omar walked through the hood. They drop off their dope to him. <laughs> All of that. Omar was the closest thing in the wire that we had to something that was superhuman. You know, even in cases where you never saw him really sweat. They got emotion out of him sometimes, right? But you put Omar in a situation, he had, he knew what to do. He had the angles. His view, his vision of the street was much like a superpower. You know, I was watching Man of Steel last night, not sure why, but watching the movie, trying to gain Yeah, because I was going to say why, but go really ahead. <laughs> gain their appreciation for it. And there's something that, uh, that the illest line of, Ma- of, of Man of Steel is not said by Superman or Zod or Lois. It's said by Jor-El. Laura, Jor-El's wife, when they're getting ready to send Cal to, which by the way, the, the best part of the movie by far is the stuff that happens on Krypton in the beginning. That was amazingly done. Like, um, still fantastically done. Anyway, Laura's about to send uh, Kal-El to Earth. She doesn't want to do it. She's his mom. I guess she wants him to stay there and get blown up with the rest of the planet. I don't get it, but whatever. She wants. She doesn't want to do it, and she says to Jor-El, she says, uh, "You know, he's an. He'll be an outcast. They'll kill him." And Jor-El says, "How?" Like he doesn't say he 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 with complete and total confidence. He goes, "How? Like how will they? And and that's just an ill line." Like, no one ever said that, they, they, like, they're going to kill you. How? That was the line on Omar. It's like, we got to get Omar. It wasn't, we're going to get Omar or whatever. It was how. Like, when you say how you're going to kill him, what Jorel was saying is they can't kill him. But they can't kill this guy. They can't, they, they, like, my, my son is going to be, a, he says, that he, he's like, how? He'll be a god to them. They, they can't kill him. You know what I mean? Um, no fear. And that was the thing with Omar. Like, How? How are we going to get to him? Because he had something on the street that was tantamount to superpowers in the way that he moved, in the way that he handled himself, in the things that he did. He took some losses, but they were all temporary, just like Superman. That's what he was. He was the Superman, if anything, of this show. Okay. Superman gets got this episode, right? Superman getting got is not the big thing. The big thing is everything that happens after. And there are a couple of scenes in here where they show this. There's a scene where, you know, Omar dies, and then Mignoti doesn't break down and cry or anything like that. Mignoti doesn't, Mignoti says, you know, they finally got Omar Little. Yeah, they finally got Omar. Blah, blah, blah. Omar, they finally got Omar. Boom, 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 boom. Very matter-of-factly, okay? At the end of the episode, they mix up the tags in terms of who Omar was with the white guy. And they switch him. Omar was this big, gigantic, scary hero to us. In the grand scheme of things, his life meant nothing. His life meant absolutely nothing. It might have, it, it, I'm not saying it was inconsequential, and it's difficult to say that any life means nothing. I'm just saying Omar died alone with no one to grieve for him. I mean, I'm sure he's going to get back down south with no one really to mourn for him. Like, Omar's life was about ripping and running, and then as random as it was for him to survive every single day, it came to an end. And when it came to an end, as much as we had invested into the character, 
as much as we had lived with the character, with his every sighting, with his every movement, with his every decision, got so much joy from him. The freedom that the character gave us as an audience, as someone who kind of operated inside and outside of the system, the rest of the world had no idea. Omar didn't have a telephone number. Omar probably didn't have social security stuff. He might have had some stuff like that. Omar didn't have any of, any of those things that we think makes a person. Now, I'm not saying that you have to have those things to be a person, but what I am saying is that, damn, like that, that scene at the end where they mix up Omar's identity, I'm like, that was, that was sad to me. Like I was, that was... That took me apart. Like, I'm like, man, they do Omar like this. They don't even, he's just another dead nigga from Baltimore. For everything that we thought about him, for everything that we watched him go through, just another dead nigga from Baltimore, gone forever. And, and that, to me, makes Omar the most significant death in the history of the show. And the reason why I say it's the most significant death is because these things are happening and they're happening to people whose lives are being ignored by society, whose lives are being made not to matter, who are doing all of these things, taking all of these chances in order to survive in a world. Not where they're laying down roots. Like I can tell you right now, my great-grandfather, Big Papa, his life mattered. His life mattered because he set down roots for a family, right? For a group of people that remember him, revere him, and adore him even through this day our last name and what it means in South Louisiana and all of that stuff, his life mattered. It mattered. Not because he conducted himself in the right way. You don't have to conduct yourself in the right way for a life matter. I'm talking about a life well, his, every life matters. I'm talking about a life well lived and well remembered. The system is robbing people of that opportunity. It's robbing people of the opportunity to have lives like that. It's, it's robbing people of these opportunities. And it's putting them in a constant survival mode where they're doing terrible things to someone. Then, then, then someone's doing terrible things to them. And at the end, it's like they never even existed because nobody even gives a fuck about everything that happened. It's just like, there's another one gone. So the fact that Omar got killed by Kanar, someone who, who he never saw coming, you know what I mean? Because that's the way it happens to a guy like that. Anyone who he could have seen coming, he probably would have been ready for. Uh, the fact that Kennard is the first person, the fact that Omar is the first person that Kennard ever kills. So now he has to wear that for the rest of his life, If you know, even though it comes back and it doesn't seem like they even know. And then just the fact that there's no hero's death for Omar Little, the biggest hero of the show. He didn't get a hero's death because nobody in that situation really ever does. So I think that, more than anything, there's a movie called Funny Games, and so by a guy named Michael Hankey. You guys should watch it if you if you can. And in the movie, something happens, and you know the movie is about this this family, and they get kidnapped, or they get there's a home invasion, and this group of this this these two guys are doing these sadistic. There's an American version, and there's like an, a foreign version as well. And these sadistic guys are doing these horrible things to them. But I'm not to spoil it for anyone. But there's a scene in the movie where. The fan, one of the members of the family breaks away and shoots one of the intruders. And basically, you think these people are free. What happens after that is that one of the intruders picks up the television remote and rewinds the movie. Like he rewinds the movie itself and goes back to before it happened. And the director of the movie says, at that point, you should turn the movie off. It was an experiment. At that point, you should turn the movie off. You should cut it off. And the reason why you should cut it off is because I'm letting you know that there is nothing that this family do to escape what's going to happen to them. So now if you're watching the movie, you're not watching to see whether or not they're going to get away. You're watching to see how they die. And at the end of the movie, that's what happens. So the film is actually commentary on the way we consume violent stuff. Right? And why, why would you keep looking at it? In a way, Omar's death and the, the very little sort of uh, fanfare that it happens with, the matter-of-fact way in which this happens, is almost a reason to stop watching The Wire. It's almost a reason to put it down. Because to be that invested into a guy and to watch it 
and then come away. And then I have, I'm obviously it's only two episodes left. That's why I was smart not to do it in the last episode. It's almost a reason to be like, let me stop looking at this shit and get out there and try to do something about this. And that's why it's like the death is almost like a sermon. It's all, it's definitely the most significant one because they made so we they made us invest so heavily into him, but the world never did. So I, I like it, watching it this time. Or maybe it's the, uh, the 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 state that we're in right now, and the state that I am in mentally, or whatever. But watching it this time was deeply, deeply, deeply affecting because we're all trying to figure out how to make our lives have meaning and be more than numbers as we see numbers pile up every day. Yeah. I mean, I, there was a, it, it was funny at the time, cause I went back to look at some different message boards and stuff just to see how people felt about Omar's death at the time. Of course, mm. a lot of people were mourning the loss of a great character, but there seemed to be a unilateral consensus that people were very angry about the way that he died. And I think, on maybe first watch, you are you feel that way because we've all been conditioned and trained in the system of of how we watch television and what we come to expect. And I think because of everything we've seen in Omar before, people were expecting this gunfight, this shootout that would ultimately go down between Marlo, Chris, and Snoop, or some combination of those three that mm-hmm. he was going to face one of the final bosses you know, in the final scene and whether or not he comes out alive, okay. Right. They felt like his death, because of how the character was larger than life, at least on these particular blocks, that he deserved a more dramatic death. But I think a lot of initial reactions, they miss the beauty and, frankly, the intelligence in which this death is handled because this is how it goes down. Because much like you said, it was how they switched his or confused his identities at the end. To me, the moment where you really understood that forever as large, uh, you know, as big as he was in those streets or really, because we're really just talking about a couple blocks, a sector, okay? For as ever as big as he was in that sector, when it came, when his death, when Alma reported his death to Gus, he was a brief. They he kicked was a him. Brief. They kicked him out of the newspaper. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's right. He didn't even make it. He didn't, he didn't even, even make it. it. He didn't even make yes. it in the newspaper. I forgot that part. That's the part. I'm sorry, yeah. but I, I forgot that part. But you're right. He, yeah. he said, "We don't have any room. Go with the fire." God damn! It's Omar Little. Right. It's like he was a fire was considered to be more significant than him, and it was not only a statement about how how sometimes, um, you know, in, in these neighborhoods, you have people who become inflated heroes just in those uh, particular blocks. But it, I think it kind of brings home what has been a consistent message in this season is that the life of Black men, Black people, mean nothing, right? Because if we tie this into what is McNulty and Lester and their general issue and what drove them to create this fake serial killer is the fact that 20-something bodies of Black men was not enough to get an extra dime out of the city government. They were just like, we'll take those L's. That's fine. And here, a fire matters more than somebody being shot in the head head in a convenience store and potentially by a child killer. By a child killer. (laughs) Like, that didn't even mean anything, right? And so that, to me, just brought home the significance, uh, not just the significance, but uh, just the, the lack of uh, humanity that Black people often receive, just period. It's like, that's what your life is worth. Now, wow. in terms of why I would say this is the biggest death in the, in the wire, um, you know, it's funny because looking at Stringer as somebody who, um, you know, like, how do you go on after... Not just him, but seeing that the larger fall of the Barksdale regime, where do you go from there after you've built this empire up for, you know, three seasons and then suddenly it's gone? Uh, So, yeah, I can definitely understand that, particularly since it was actually supposed to end at season three. Mm -hmm. And you think about Omar's death in that turn, like had it ended in season three, it ends with him and Brother Muzon killing Stringer, which is a far more dramatic death befitting of Stringer Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because he was, it it, it was, it it was, there there was such a, like I said, a build up to him coming to, like him coming to, like his life coming to an end. But I I guess the thing is with Stringer, 
is that was very much a he had this coming and he's had it coming for a while. And mm. he just uh, he was forever making chess moves and trying to prove that he was, you know, uh, smarter than everybody else. And he did a lot of people wrong. And so that's what you would expect to happen. Omar's death to me is not just the more significant one, but the bigger one because of the way they handled his death, because it didn't end in a gunfight with with um, the Stanfield Empire, because it was somebody who, for all intents and purposes, Omar didn't even know existed. It right. was a, and somebody right. for that matter, right. the irony of this being someone who used to idolize him, okay? Who used to idolize him. And it also, you know, worth mentioning is the fact that it shows just how quickly and how um, much Canard has changed. He went from being an innocent kid playing cops and robbers on the street to becoming a key lieutenant for Mike to killing one of the biggest, you know, nemesis of Marlowe's in the streets. Sure. Like that, that just happened over the span of like five years. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, wait a minute. And the look on his face, because he didn't even realize, I mean, he knew what he had done, but then he, it started to sink in what he, he it actually, actually done. Yeah, he was yeah. a, a dead human being. He popped, a, he popped Omar and he went bye-bye. That was a, that's a life-changing moment for Kennard as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but when we think about just the character of Omar Little, I think it's one of the most revolutionary characters ever put on television. I couldn't agree more. Because you not only have um, somebody who is on the streets and in the streets the way that he is, but I, I do think them making Omar's sexuality a part of this series is part of what makes it so, I mean, that's a big part of what makes it so revolutionary. Like, I don't know, and it, it's revolutionary in the reaction to him, because I don't know if you had told me in the mid-2000s or even before then, there's going to be this series on The Wire and one of the most celebrated iconic characters is going to be a gay man who robs drug dealers in inner city Baltimore. I'd have been like, bullshit, that's never going to work. That would have been my immediate reaction, right? And the fact that not only do it did it work, that this character became a, um, a huge celebrated figure, it just teaches you something about not writing characters always in a box. And it, them adding that wrinkle to it, and when you read All the Pieces Matter, <laughs> I, I don't know what made them think this, but for some reason, David Simon, he assumed Omar was gay by the way he was written. I don't, I'm not really sure why he did or he, or the, why he said that about uh, the character it was based off of because he was reading the court files and that's how they kind of came up with this character. But nevertheless, the fact that they rolled with it, I think that says a lot about, you know, just choosing to make daring and bold television because I don't know. I mean, do you think, Van, that somebody would create a character like Omar Little today? Probably not. And it, I and don't think that they would. It, it's weird that it's less, it, it's, it's just probably not because that would be the story. The, the, mm -hmm. thing that, the, the thing that gets me about Omar, remember, this is like 10 years, not even 10 years, oh, maybe a little over 10 years after Ellen DeGeneres' character be, being gay was front page news and, you know, like really on her show, Ellen, like, really destroyed her career for a period of time and all of that stuff like that. Omar is not gay. Omar is super gay. Right. That's the thing. It's not even, it's not like an insinuation. It's not an innuendo. Right. It's like, no, he is, he is very obviously in your face gay. And so when I say super gay, I don't want anyone to take that as, there's, there's no such thing as super gay in the way, in actual life, right? You're gay, you're gay. There's nothing that makes you more gay or less that gay you're gay. The reason why he's super gay for a television character is because you watch him not just have sex with men, right? But you watch him because that's not the thing. See, that's another thing. And The Wire was really good about Omar's identity as a gay man because it's not just that Omar, they don't play him like society looked at gay people for a very, very long time. Like they're just these lustful, ravenous, people that want to go out and have sex with everyone of their own sex. No, Omar is uh, committed. Omar is loving. You know what I mean? Him, and Omar and Brandon were loving together. They were in love. You know what I mean? Um, 
Omar's protective. Omar's everything in a in a in a in a gay relationship uh, that heterosexual people are in their relationships, which is really the reality of the situation. But the wire like portrayed him unflinchingly in that, right? So the character, it wasn't like just that, like it wasn't a situation where you could break Omar down and be like, Omar likes boys. That it was more than that. Like, oh, it was part of his, and it 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 camouflaged into the character, which was something that was impossible to do. Like it became such an afterthought. If if it Omar's who he was as a character, his cunning, his morality, all of that, it became way more important than his sexuality did. The Wire was able to do that. That's not even achievable in real life. Like, when the moment that someone affirms their sexuality, then we start defining them by that one aspect of their life. Everything that they do has to speak to that. Everything that they are has to speak to that. Not who they really are, not what they really want, not you start putting people in a bubble. The, it, it didn't happen with the character. Obviously, there were slurs, and obviously there were things that people threw at him that reminded you of it all the time. But the reality was that watching the character, and this is not me at 40, this was me at 25, at 26, where I was significantly less evolved than I am right now. Watching the character, it just was not a thing. And that is fucking monumental. It just wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing at all. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And it was, it, you talk about being steps ahead. And don't get me wrong. There have been gay characters on television, right? Well, there have been shows based around gay. This was at the end of or around the same time of like Will and Grace. But even Will and Grace, because it's on a network show, they have to play that in a more jovial, sort of more sitcom-y, laugh track, applause way. And there are certain things on there that you can't do. You can almost watch those characters and forget about what their lives are. No, you watch Omar kiss, you watch Omar hug, you watch Omar grieve for, for lost lovers. You watch it all and you it just be, it becomes part of the story. Like you detached from it. And I think for a lot of people, you know, I'm not going to go too far, but for a lot of people, Omar Little represented a significant education on things and forced some guys to maybe grow up a little bit. Cause you, you know what I mean? I, I think that I think that's fair to say. I mean, yeah. because I, I don't think that there was at the time a lot of people could have imagined somebody being in that role being gay. Mm-hmm. And I think the way the way that they showed his love interest and his relationships, it was never done saliciously or to grab your attention. Right. It was always done organically within the flow of the story. Like, right. yes, it made total sense for uh uh the the first dude that he was with. You know, I think it was Brandon. I think that was mm-hmm. his name. Um, yeah. When he was tortured and killed uh, by Weebay and the Barksdales or whatever, it made total sense for Omar to be out for vengeance, mm-hmm. trying to avenge somebody that he loved. And this was all they were able to make um, his sexuality a part of the story rather than the story. Right. So every scene or storylines weren't built around either him being treated unfairly or not being accepted or coming out like none of that we have no idea if omar's grandma knew that he was gay we don't know anything right we just know that this like this is just who he is this is how he chooses to live his life and um they made us care about omar as a whole person Right. And not just about Pre- precisely the, the, the way, yeah, precisely. not just the fact that he was killing and robbing everybody, but like his his a whole person. And so mm-hmm. that to me is that's why I think it's it's one of the most brilliant characters ever done. Because if this character winds up in the wrong hands, it could be trite, cliche, I mean, and frankly, it can do a huge disservice uh, to the LGBTQ community if True. not written with nuance. That was that's probably the word that, that brings me that I think of the most with Omar is like. One of the, not just one of the best characters, but one of the most nuanced characters that we've ever seen in television history. And I so agree. that's why, I mean, it, it, the death, I mean, as, as I said uh, a, a few moments ago, when I knew that scene was coming, when I rewatched it for our podcast, 
I, I turned away. I do every time because it's like, <laughs> it just, it just hurts. It just hurts to see it him go out like that because of course, and this is, this is what you're supposed to feel. You want him to finish this mission. You know, he's not the same. He's hobbled, leg broken. Um, more than likely, if he does come up against a fully staffed, the full strength of the Barksdale organization, he's going to probably die. Like there's mm-hmm. no question, but nevertheless, Knowing that he lived himself, he lived his life like he was in the wild, wild west and he's, you know, a gunman in town or whatever, that you sort of wanted to see him go out that way. But it was just far more impactful and far more poetic if he goes out this way. I don't know that we remember his death the same if he goes out in a very, you know, guns blazing kind of fashion. I don't know we remember it the same. We remember him for being a great character. But I think because he died in this way, that only added to the iconic nature of the person that he played. It's crazy. It's just it was it, it, it's crazy. Well done. Rest in peace, yeah. Omar Little. Fantastic Omar Little. acting done by uh, Michael K. Williams. Michael K. We have Williams. Michael K. Williams, who's obviously going on to have a, a fantastic career. Of the people who really broke out from the wire, I'd have to say, obviously, Michael B. Jordan, uh, obviously, Idris Elba. Dominic West, um, Michael K. Williams, uh, Lance Reddick. Yes. Yep. Lance Reddick works all over the place. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, you continue to see them. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, Bunk is yeah, Wendell is, Pierce. Uh, well, like Wendell, Wendell Pierce. Pierce, yes. Obviously, Pierce. guys like Wendell Pierce have been doing it for a long time and will continue to do it. But yeah, there a lot of guys on there that have, that, that, that broke up. He's hit hell. Isaiah Whitlock. Yes, Isaiah Whitlock. Um, hey, your Carcetti, Littlefinger. You know Carcetti, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for <laughs> yeah. sure. No, this 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 launched a lot of careers. And the, and the thing too about uh, Michael K. Williams, this may still wind up being his the most iconic character he's ever played. Oh, it's but the be type hard to of top. work, yeah, yeah it, it will be. But the type yeah. of work that he has, you know, done. I mean, Boardwalk Empire, like everything that yeah. he has done after this, it's a certain standard that's there that you can mm-hmm. you can kind of see. And so since, um, since Boardwalk Empire took place in uh in Atlantic City, New Jersey, I like to think that Chalky was like Omar's great great granddad or something like that. <laughs> I'll play that game. I'll play that game with myself. I yeah. There you go. I mean, I'm sure there there there's some loose characteristics that he he definitely borrowed for that. But uh yes, um RIP to one of the great characters in television history. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. So as much as it is, as difficult as it is to move on from that scene, um, which is obviously the best scene, the heart, most heartbreaking scene, maybe the most heartbreaking, best significant scene of this entire series and certainly of this season. Uh, let's go on to some other great scenes and moments from this episode. Uh, what else did you have? Okay. I, I love watching Jimmy. I love watching McNulty in front of Comstat. That's not where he ever thought he would be. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, like <laughs> I love seeing him in front of Comstat. I know he never thought he would have to go in front of Comstat. Um, Clay being back in business in there with Carcetti. 
Yeah. Can't kill like, and then the, the fact that he makes a reference to the race card, it was like, really, dog? Right. You of all people? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Duke and Poot. You used to run with the boy Naaman, right? Yeah, I, I used to be on the fair corners. Oh, yeah, man. I remember you. <laughs> yeah, I just got tired, you know? <sighs> Shit got old. So I guess you need to bang a while longer, then come back, see if we got something. Yeah, you want to talk about, I mean, because it, it was, you want to talk about a, a, a scene or a person who reemerges that you don't see coming. Right. And you not only see Poop, but you figure out his government name is Malik Carr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's his government name. But yeah. it, it, it was good to see him. You know, he's working at the Baltimore version of Foot Locker. Seemingly then cleaned his life up a little bit. You know, I'm sure he's still at the clinic every week because, you know, he, he can't. Poot is still going to remain Poot no matter what but it was it was good to see somebody who started with that original group actually made it out right yeah (laughs) got out living his life doesn't seem Mm -hmm. happy but he seems content and those are two different things Uh, Chris, Mike and Snoop yeah hell of a scene hell of a scene where they're just basically uh, that's also a file that's away for later as well it is in that scene I kind of think Snoop's the star of that scene. I think when so, she too. Was, yeah, when she's, like, you know, young and here on some different opinion shit, mm-hmm. everybody needs to shut the fuck up. Like, she, like, she, like, he he hardly doesn't even really say anything. No. You know what I mean? No, like, he kind of, he kind of just, uh, like, Chris just kind of just, just kind of thinking on it a little bit. He kind of hardly doesn't even really say anything. It's just a very, very interesting situation, man. Very yeah. interesting situation. But then Snoop, That's a good the, the little thing between her and Mike starts to come out. We'll talk about that later. Scott yep. getting called out finally. He was waiting yep. for that. Uh, just yeah. two more. Duke finally finding his, Duke's journey and then him finally finding his tribe, for better or for worse. Yep. Um, Minota comes clean to Beatty and then Jimmy with the profiler. All of those are my favorite scenes. A lot oh, of good yeah, scenes. Oh yeah, because the profiler at Quantico pretty yeah. much nailed who McNulty is. And he, it, it was a mad, you could tell he amazing. felt he felt exposed. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing um, is when Marlo told Chris and Snoop that Omar had been murdered, the look on Chris's face, like he's mm. disappointed. He's right. kind of upset yeah. that, he, yeah, because I think he was looking forward to seeing, is this Omar guy? Is this is this just rep? Is, you know, what is, is, is he really what they say he is? Um so, yeah, that was also a, a good scene. And, you know, one other just thing that occurred to me with the uh, scene where we see Poot and, and Daquan is uh, looking for a job. And he's like, you know, hey, you just got to bang on them corners for a while and then come back to see we might have something. And I'm like, wow, because the 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 idea of him or not the idea, but the likelihood of him surviving on the corners for a few more years. Yeah, Poot, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I bang like, out come back. It's not going to work. I was like, Ugh. Terrible advice, by the way. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, that's kind of bad advice, but all right. I mean, he's just trying to get him to keep his head, head up, I, I suppose. But it's just like, all right, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, so all those things, I had the same ones. Uh, not much different. All right, now let's move on to what aged the best. What did you notice there? Uh, GPS systems aged pretty well. But see, you know what? I also have that in what age the worst. Be- not because the GPS system, Garmin GPSs did not age well. That's that. That's one of the rare ones that can go either way. Yeah, the Garmin it, it, GPS systems age well. Right. Garmin's they got taken out the game. Garmin Garmin been gone. Like, yeah, Garmin's been gone. Like they, unless you they like a, the... a off roader. <laughs> right. Uh, my, my, my one of my homies got a uh, he got one of those Rubicons. Mm. Y'all look aggressive with the Rubicons, by the way. One of my <laughs> homies got one of the Rubicons, and he got the Rubicon all tricked out, and he got the uh, the little traditional Garmin joint on there because he goes all crazy. He got to connect to different shit. I'm like, you can't, you just can't use Waze. He's like, what? Let me put it in the Garmin. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. That's what you want to do. <laughs> uh, so GPS systems, I had that for what's age the best. I didn't have too much else. All right, so I had, because um, when Gus is uh, in there on the loading dock smoking a cigarette with the other reporters, he's talking about how newspapers only care about issues as it relates to them winning the Pulitzer. Ages incredibly well. That is a, definitely a thing. Um, 
you know, suddenly, because people have to remember how quickly it turned. It went from them being all in on this big educational package. And then as soon as the homeless murder started, they're like, yeah, yeah, forget about education. Now we're all about the homeless. And because it's a war season, that's an even bigger reason for them to be all in on trying to push this story because there is something in it for them. And that happens in media, that if there's an opportunity to win an award, to push a certain issue that puts the paper out front and here you have a serial killer contacting one of the reporters, they're going to milk the shit out of that. So uh, he was dead on with his assessment there. Also, uh, at the Comstat meeting that you alluded to with McNulty, when Ross says the good news is that the mayor needs a police department more than he needs the school system. And everybody starts laughing. And I was like, hmm, so interesting in this whole defunding the police oh. conversation that we're having right now, uh, where, you know, they all think this is a, 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 you know, the fact that there's this mentality that policing is more important than education. Oh. And um, I'm not here to, you know, to, to necessarily debate that, but there is definitely a mentality that mentality exists and has aged very well. It's like there's this idea that we need to pour all our resources or the majority of them or a huge percentage of them in the police and say, damn, everything else. And I was like, oh, interesting that Rawls should point that out. Some things, again, age incredibly well. Uh, In terms of what aged the worst, as I said, I thought the garments, they just didn't make it. (laughs) Garment couldn't get it popping. Yeah, ways took over and all that. I'm like, man... Now you do it on your phone. Nobody has the the the, uh-huh. the clip on or whatever um, GPS. I remember the first time I used that thing. I was just like, "This is the most revolutionary shit I've ever." Life, my life has changed. I don't have to download the shit from MapQuest or something oh like that. Oh my god! Remember those days when you had to print out directions? Print out the directions. We print out directions from Baton Rouge to Memphis. Got somebody oh, in the wow. Baton Rouge or map? Yeah. Now you just put. It. Man, sometimes I just weighs weird shit. I'd be like, just when I'm sitting here bored, I'd be like. Ways take me to Yellowstone National Park. Just to see how far it is. Yeah, how, how we going to get there? If I wanted to get up right now <laughs> and go to Yellowstone, because I could do that if I want, Jamel. If I want, right now, nigga, I could put pack my shit up, just bring my recording shit, and I can go to, I'm an adult. I can go to Yellowstone National Park whenever I fucking want. When I was a kid, I would have to ask somebody to go to Yellowstone National Park. Tomorrow, you in the go. morning. Just go, man. Just go. If I decide I want to wake up tomorrow and go to Yellowstone National Park, I'm out. I'm not going to do that. But if I decided that I wanted to, I'm gone. So shout out I to I don't Waze. know why you acting like you don't still have to ask permission as if your oh, lady true. is just going to be, yeah, you, you kind of nah. still do. Nigga, I mean, you're, 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 yeah. you're somewhat grown, but not like all the way not, grown. Cause you're, you're, you're never fully grown, right? Somebody's always going <laughs> Exactly. <sign> <laughs> not at all. Right. Uh, now, let's move on to We Love This Show, but I had two things. Oh, oh I got one thing that aged the worst. Chris Matthews. Oh, sorry. Uh, somebody mentioned that the profile mentions that he goes on Chris Matthews' show all the time. <laughs> Chris was cool for a while, but then Chris went too far. Oh, yeah. That didn't make it. Oh, I mean, I guess if we were pointing that out, if you recall, I think it was a couple episodes ago, he went on Nancy Grace. Yeah, yeah. same thing. Same that thing. didn't make it either, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, we love this show, but there's two things. Two things. So, again, Omar, in them streets, hooping and hollering to whoever who listened. Now, if you recall, after Omar jumps out of the, you know, off the third floor of that apartment where they have their original sh- shootout that injured him, Chris and Snoop, they go combing the city, all right? I mean, you even have Monk portraying a detective. That's how (laughs) invested they are in this. Like, Monk is like, I'm a detective. I'm going to try to find out, has anybody seen this dude? They go to hospitals. Mm -hmm. They on every corner. Mm -hmm. They can't find a dude limping in broad daylight robbing their drug houses? How how is this possible? Once again, you underestimate Omar. We we just lost him. Dude, he ain't that slick. This dude walking broad daylight lipping to get some new ports. How is this possible that he is hiding within four or five blocks? Had to play the cops away so he could go too. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, how okay, Chris and Snoop, we agree. Like, as far as goons go, and especially Chris, who for all we know may have done three tours in Afghanistan because mm-hmm. of the way he is, you that tactical, you that strategic, and you can't find the limping dude with a shotgun. Can't find him. They, get, they did find him. 
They got him. He got away. It happens. He got away, Mm -hmm. but he is in the streets. Nobody, Mm. like, okay, it's one thing, let's just assume, and I pointed this out the last episode, that Mm. none of the people that are in the trap houses told Omar, or told Marlo, hey, this dude been talking shit. Let's just say that Chris filtered that information. Uh, You know where all these houses at, right? Okay, Mm. so he clearly is doing a pattern. How can y'all not find him? I this. This doesn't well, make any sense. He eventually did get got, though. He yeah, lived he did. in front of the he, he lived in front of the wrong people. He eventually did get got. So, so a nine year old is smarter than Chris and Snoop. His nine year old is luckier. You got to be lucky <laughs> to get Omar. <laughs> okay, all but, right. Eventually, I mean, at some point, don't you have? Aren't you surveilling all the trap houses because you know he's coming there? Like, I, also, you don't want to expose yourself too much because then he'll be at you. You know he's got a busted leg. Okay. It's about I'm, 50 11 of y'all. It. I'm with it. I'm just, I'm I just, it. I just throw these it. things out there. People could, you know, people, people could chew on them. Other thing. All right. So Marlo is the same dude who is so unsophisticated that he does not understand how banks work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or he has to be shown how to do a text message. He is like, he is unfistic, uh, you know, unsophisticated in many matters. We, this has been established. But yet, they know how to intricately work a street map. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm like, so they got taught. So once again, I'm he just like, learn. this is to borrow what Lester said. This is the Baltimore school district, and I'm just like, so like with the way that the Barksdales used to do their thing, right? Like that made sense. It was like, yeah, the dumbest motherfucker can figure this. Like they can follow along, right? Really. Who has a map? Like, I don't even know if these dudes own a map. Like, they all got street maps? Like, come on. I don't on. know about that one, Maserati. Man, I don't know I don't about know. that. I, I'm just not buying that he just, they invented <laughs> this elaborate system. They did using... invent it. The Greeks invented it. Okay, the Greeks invented it. So he yeah. got this elaborate map system trying to teach, <laughs> trying to mm-hmm. teach a bunch of goons that, like, mm-hmm. ain't the brightest bulbs in the lamp. Like, I just, yeah. I don't know, man. That just seemed like for him a too sophisticated of a system. I got, I got it, I got it. Just saying. I got you. But got the you. larger to me plot hole is that Kanara found him, but Chris and Snoop couldn't because their magical powers of detectiveness never led them to the very same neighborhood he's always in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I'll buy it. Sure, that's fine. All right, now uh, let's talk about some foul of this away for later moments that we're in this. Uh, what do you have, man? Snoop snaps at Mike. Big father's away for later moment. Yep. Um, and just Mike's, I mean, you could just say Mike's general, um, him just starting to figure out, like, some shit ain't adding up here, man. Like, him questioning their leadership mm. in general. Snoop, uh, yeah, Snoop snapping at Mike. Mike uh, questioning their, their leadership. And I would also add the fact that um, Chris's decision not to bother Marlo with what was being said about him on the yep. street. Yeah, that all three cu- of those are fathers away. That couple with Omar continuously calling Marlo out. I have both of those yep. together. Mm-hmm. Duke finally finding his tribe. Yep, linking up and with the junk man. The uh, the a rappers or what do yep. they call them? I or, think that's what they're called. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, uh, Bug says it like you're an, uh, a rapper now. And then Jimmy, the biggest one, Jimmy tells Kima about the homeless guy murder scam. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a big one. Uh, I'd also add just one more um, Lester deciding to blackmail Clay Davis and make him think a mm. federal case is coming. Um, you know, Clay has no idea that uh, Lester, who, you know, tried to take the case federal and the same, uh, you know, attorney who was like, hell no, nah, because he's not only pissed about Carcetti and their interaction from earlier, he's just like, we are not about to look like the white people's trying to send this black hero to jail. So uh-huh. that's a big moment there as well as the others that were said. Uh, okay, um, now on to some trivia. As it relates to Omar, originally was only supposed to be in seven episodes of The Wire. And then he was supposed wow. to be killed. Yes, he was only supposed to be in... That was when Michael K. Williams originally signed on to do this show. They told him seven episodes. Uh, clearly that significantly changed. Uh, also, the character in which he is based off of, Donnie Andrews, unfortunately, he passed away in 2012 at 58. Uh, 
died from complications during emergency heart surgery. As for what eventually got him put in jail, a compelling story, uh, in September of 1986, he agreed to kill the drug dealer of a rival to support his heroin habit. It was actually his first murder because in the 70s and 80s, he was robbing people. He wasn't killing people. But his first murder, um, that was uh, what happened. And he said his gun jammed. And as the guy was laying on the ground, uh, he said the guy looked him in the eye and said, why? He killed the man. And then in 87, he turned himself in and was given a life sentence in prison. He got out because uh, he developed this relationship with Ed Burns, because that's what he turned himself in into, developed the relationship with Ed Burns, and uh, even with a federal prosecutor named Charles Sheeler, and they lobbied to get him out of jail, and it worked. And he also married um, one of the characters that David Simon and Ed Burns' um, their, their television miniseries, the, the Corner, one of the main characters in The Corner, is uh, the real life version of her is who Donnie Andrews married. So uh, just a little more. And in fact, um, he helped uh, also, uh, he founded a nonprofit group to spread a message of nonviolence. And, you know, just really, he really became an advocate and was working with people at risk in terms of street violence. But he named the uh, organization Why Murder after the guy who he killed, asking him why before he killed him. So a lot of info there, but uh, just uh, something for you all to keep in mind. All right. Now, moment of truth. Uh, Van, who won this episode? Uh, I wanted this to be in some way reflective of Omar passing, but unfortunately, I got to say Gus won. Ooh, Gus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because Why Gus? Gu- Gus finally stepped to Scott the way he wanted to. You know, that had been bubbling for a long time, and it was a big, big deal. Gus finally stepping to Scott, finally having the thing. I I felt like the biggest winner uh, in the episode was Gus, but really nobody won in this episode because they took Omar Little away from us, man. (laughs) Yeah, we all lost in that that respect, but I did have one victor who— not only um, one because they were actually able to do something productive, but one because they did it in a way, they did it the right way. I think Bunk won because he did the police work the old-fashioned way. And I know it was a slight cheat at the end to get his lab work prioritized, but that was quickly found out and, you know, whatever. But the whole point was he went back, he looked at some old cases, he found something, it led him down a path, and it led him right to Chris Partlow. And so for as much as McNulty making up things or whatever, you could argue that if Bunk does this from the beginning and is able to do it sort of untethered and unprompt, you know, un- uh, unprompted, rather, that they maybe wind up getting Marlowe anyway just based off Bunk's good police work. Mm-hmm. Because he didn't require any extra manpower to do it or anything like that. He, It was bothering him, and he went back, and he looked at something with fresh eyes and got the major break. So. I think I think for that, or I, I could just generally say detective, real detective work won because Bunk wins and also Sidner wins because he cracks a significant part of the part case of the with Marlo. Yeah, yeah. He, he cracks the code. And these are two things, you know, sort of not required by some of the additional fancy that, that McNulty has put on here. So anyway, it was a sad episode because we have to finally say goodbye to Omar, but we have two more to go and we'll see how this thing rounds out. I mean, we, we kind of know how it rounds out, but um, nevertheless, looking still forward to it, um, to talking about the final episodes of The Wire. And by the way, like David Simon, man, you know how gutsy you got to be to kill one of your iconic characters two episodes before the series actually ends? Yeah. That takes I remember, I remember it leaked. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That it week did. it leaked and we didn't know if it was real or not, but I, I remember that week it leaked. But uh, And that was a big, huge deal on the internet. And people were saying, don't watch it, don't watch it, don't watch it. But of course I watched it. And I just yeah. couldn't believe it was real. But then I think I saw it on like a Thursday. And I was yeah. like, nah, that's that's something they probably shot. And then there was, they, they put something out like, we shot a bunch of different endings and blah, blah, blah. We don't know. And then it was in there. I was like, God damn. Imagine that. Imagine Omar's death on social media today. 
That'd be crazy. real fascinating. It'd be crazy. crazy. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for hanging out with us. That's going to do it for us. Two more episodes to go, as I said. So keep listening to us and keep watching The Wire. We'll see y'all next time. Bye.